Do you want to hear the greatest story? Yeah, I do. Oh my god, Bon Jovi sound checking. We got to see this. But then we hear um the guy whistling to a microphone. Yeah, it was John, and he goes, "The kids can stay." We're like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> nice. Thanks, thanks, Johnny. It was a small theatre, and we went upstairs, and there was a photo of Dire Straits, who mm. did their very first rock blast there in 1982, oh, wow. which was just so cool. Yeah. So these bikies got in touch with us, give us 500 bucks so you don't get your singer back. <laughs> Holy shit. Welcome everyone, you are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. This is an interview style podcast where I talk with musicians, performers and sometimes wrestlers. I am your host, the Sizz Dog. Thank you for joining me. It is a fantastic evening here in Melbourne town tonight. I uh, just finished my first full week of work back for, uh, after having a bit of a, a, a hiatus from work, if, if that's the correct term, six weeks off. But um, oh, look, it's good to be back. It's, it'll be good to be back in a nice routine, you know, because when you're on holidays, they all kind of bleed into one all the days. You know, it's a bit of a haze, a bit of a purple haze. But, uh, you know, um, it was good to be back. And I got some good classes, you know, some some interesting characters, some challenging students, some, you know, some good students, bad students. Well, not about bad, you know, you, you call them challenging don't you you can't say bad these days i'll get in trouble but um, <laughs> now nah, look everything's good with me man um i've been uh really ramping up the promo for this 100th episode this is episode 94 i think i actually say in the pod that it's episode 95 but it's not it's 94 um and uh next week we are filming we are recording, we, we are uh, capturing the audio, capturing the visuals of the Yard of Turing 100th live event, and then that will be uh, the last podcast of this medium. Um, I will continue the pod, um, but it will be more less frequent, let's say. It will be more when, you know, I have a uh, an inkling that maybe a guest I can chat to, you know, on a less... less uh, um, Less more of a, a weekly format, let's say, you know, maybe once a month, every few months, whenever a guest kind of comes to me, I'm not going to be seeking people out, let's say, you know, unless someone's coming to town, I'm like, oh, I think maybe I could actually, I could approach them to interview them and then that would be great, you know, that'd be awesome. But if not, we'll just go without. And I think that'll make it a bit more special, man. It'll be, be like, oh, he's got another episode up. I haven't heard from Dave. I wonder how he's doing. <laughs> Wonder how the Sizz Dog's going in the art of touring world. So you can check back in with me whenever I drop new eps. This week, I caught up with singer and guitar player Nicole Nighthawk. And uh, keep listening to hear Nicole recall the tale of playing a gig with her brother in Windsor while a drunk punter decided to have a little too much of a good time. But you'll have to keep listening to find out what went down. Art of Turing is brought to you every single Friday. You can listen to Art of Turing on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts app, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, you can get the Art of Turing. And guys, I want you to keep ta- spreading the love. Spread the word of the Art of Turing podcast. We may be going from a weekly show to a less frequent show, but that doesn't matter, man, because it'd be great if people still tuned in to when these drop. But, you know, 
It'd be great if you could do that part. Because I can't do it all myself, man. I need your help. Please help me. Help. Uh, guys, tell friends about this podcast. Subscribe to this podcast. Uh, tweet about it if that's still a thing. Make a TikTok if that's still a thing. Uh, do a little Facebook post, an Instagram post. You know, print A1 posters off. Now, you know how big an A4 is. You know how big an A3 is. An A1 is like giant. I want, if you come to the gig, you'll see an A1 poster of The Art of Touring. And uh, I want you to take it upon yourself and just print a million of those. Put them all around the world. And then people will know of the pod. And then we'll, we'll all enjoy it together. So do it. You'd be good at it. Hey, listen, uh, if you are listening with kids, it might be a good idea to put them to bed. And then once they're fast asleep, you can put Art of Touring back on. Now let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor. The Art of Touring is brought to you by Lobos Collectibles in Thornbury. Lobos is Melbourne's largest and best vintage toy store. They have a new location on 310 St. George's Road in Thornbury, and this store has something for everyone. Star Wars, Star Trek, Ghostbusters, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, My Little Pony, Gem, Barbie, Star Trek, Dino Riders. The list goes on and on and on. If you're looking for a gift for your uh, lover, if you're looking for a gift for your brother, your mother, anybody, you can find it at Lobos Collectibles in Thornbury. The coolest thing about Lobos is they are constantly acquiring new old stock N-O-S, to add to their store. So you're sure to find something different every time you visit. Follow them, follow, 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 follow them on Instagram and Facebook, and they will update you when a new collection comes in. So you'll be the first to know. Oh, they've got a new collection of wrestling figures. I want to get on in there and grab them up a bargain. Grab me up a bargain, baby. Let them know you heard about the store from old mate Sizdog on the Art of Touring podcast. Man, I love this store. I love them so much much you know what i approached them for uh the 100th episode of the art of touring podcast live event and they've come to the party baby they are offering 15 percent off from feb 15th to may 15th 2020 inclusive to everyone who comes to the show uh it's a voucher you take it in there and they will give you 15 percent off now i think last week i said if something's 100 bucks it'd end up being 75 that'd be if it was 25 percent off that i actually meant to say 85 okay it'd be 85 bucks you can tell why i'm not a, a maths teacher hey guys get on down to lobo's collectibles in thornbury the best toy store in the universe all right, just so you know, Art of Touring is hosted by Wooshka. That's the platform in which I'm able to release these episodes weekly to every single podcast provider out there. So if you like to listen on your desktop as well, you can just Google Art of Touring and you can follow the links to the Wooshka homepage. Wooshka. I thank you. You've been with me since day one-ish. Uh, before uh, we hear my conversation with Nicole Nighthawk, I'd like to share with you some of her music. This is a track called All In or Nothing from her previous band, Grand Hour. Check it out. <laughs> Yeah. 
There you go. That's just a taste of Grand Hour there, all in or nothing. Now, let's sit back and breathe it in. That's right. It's the Sizz Dog and Nicole Nighthawk shooting the shit. Strap in and let's get loose. It's time for the Art of Touring to begin. Welcome everyone, you're listening to the Art of Touring podcast, sitting here in Siriani Studios in glorious Epping. It's a bit of a balmy evening uh, here in Epping tonight, but uh, I've got a glass of water in hand, as does my guest, and tonight I am joined by Nicole Nighthawk. Hey. How are you, Nicole? <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been, um, I think I, uh, I I shot you a message a few months ago and we couldn't get our date sorted out. Yeah. And, um, it, it was lucky we've got you in before the, the 100th episode. Yeah, we finally got there. We got there. Yeah. You made the top 100. Yay! <laughs> Amazing. Because I'm, I'm hanging up the headphones after 100. I'm, I'm done with the podcast game. Why I'm, are you done? Oh, look, it's... It's, I really dig it, but um, the weekly podcast is quite difficult to resource like guests every week. Yeah. Um, and so I will continue to do it, but only if I feel like the pod, if, if I can get a guest that I feel like, like I was like, oh man, I really wanted to talk to them, mm-hmm. you know, okay, well, I'll, I'll put out a, a pod- podcast like once every few months or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But the weekly shows are going to be wrapping up after after March. So Well, I'm glad I got in you just got in, in time. There. Just in time. That's for, it. Within 100. Yeah. We, uh, you will be episode 95. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And so only um, four more official sit-down traditional style podcasts left and then the, the 100th episode will be a, a, a live event. Wow. Yeah, which is... A party. A big party. Sweet. Yeah, so uh, come on down to the spot of Mallard on Feb 15th, everybody. Love it. <laughs> if you haven't heard me say that on the pod like a million times already. Uh, but enough about that. Let's let's get to you, Nicole. Where are you from and where did you grow up? Melbourne-based. Uh, I grew up in Melbourne and Sydney, so I, I moved to Sydney. My, my father was actually the head of the Allen Brash Group, so he was the state manager and moved to Sydney for the role. And so he was state manager of brashes in Sydney. So you would remember the brashes days with records and it was, it was actually a good time. You know, it was when all the big artists used to come out and do in-store appearances in the record stores and, you know, he would get, we had to go to concerts and he would take us and you know, oh, we met Michael wow. Jackson and things like this. Oh yeah, it was God. it was insane. It was crazy times. That is insane. Yeah, yeah. And he met, um, oh gosh, who, like um, Billy Joel and, you know, huge artists that would just yeah. come to the, the store, the record store, which you don't really kind of see that much anymore. <laughs> no, it doesn't exist really, that, yeah. that kind of culture at all. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So, yeah, so we moved to Sydney for that and, mm. and lived there for eight years. So I did... A large part of my growing up sort of primary school and, you know, early high school there and then yeah. came back to Melbourne. So, right. Yeah. Well and truly a Melbourne girl now, but yeah, yeah. I did love Sydney at the time. As a kid, it was nice weather and... Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And so, um, uh, what about your mum? What did, what, what did your mum do? Uh, 
anything in the music game or look she's she's a bit creative she 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 always likes to say she plays records yeah right (laughs) my my dad's the musician so he plays trumpet he's got four (gasps) brothers and they were in a jazz band together right and they all still play two of my uncles are in the music industry in melbourne so one owns a record store out in frankston guitars and things give them a plug that's rob down there (laughs) and uh, my other uncle runs a wholesale business in orchestral orchestral music supplies orchestral supplies australia sorry i have to get that right yeah, so, so all the music vibes yeah. really coming from dad's side. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and um, yeah, mum embraces music and loves it, but she was not really the musician. But she's creative in her own way. She was yeah. a sign writer, and you know, does uh, creative things like that. She's a photographer, and oh wow, so mm. very, definitely a very uh, creative upbringing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. See, my folks were the opposite. My mum was a guitar teacher and my dad's a sparky. He doesn't have a musical bone in his body. (laughs) So, yeah, we can thank mum for um, for, for me getting any type of, you know, musical inkling, you know, uh, as a young person. At least you've got something, like as long as you've got it from somewhere. Well, that's right, you know. um, As I was saying to you um, before, uh, after interviewing this many people, sometimes it's, you know, the one or the other or both, you know. Sometimes it's like, oh, you know, did you come from a musical family? Nah. Oh, really? No one in your... No one, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's you know, and that's something that from doing the pod for this long, I uh, never imagined, you know, being no. able to get this really big, like, knowledge base of everybody's origin story and, and how everyone, you know, eventually music finds them, but... Yeah. You know, it always comes from a different place, which is interesting. You know? I wonder if it's grandparents and things like that, like if there is some musical ability further down the track. Yeah, like, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, Because yeah. it is strange to think that somebody has who has no exposure to it whatsoever would become a musician. Because, yeah, how it calls to them, right? Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. That's good, though. It's great. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so any brothers or sisters? I do. I have a brother and a sister. My brother... Yeah. Uh, plays bass guitar. He does? So, yeah, he was. Um, he started on clarinet when he was young and I was on piano and then we were both like, this is so lame. So <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to play guitar and he went to bass and we did some duos for a while, um, yeah. some duo work. And um, we actually had a, a band together, which was my first sort of rock band. Oh, right. Yeah. What was that called? Cosmic Rose. Cosmic Rose, great Cosmic name. Rose. Yeah. I'm getting laughter over here on the corner. But yeah, Cosmic Rose. <laughs> we were a great band. How old were you when, when you were doing the Cosmic Rose gig? Oh, young, I don't know. Like teens. Oh, yeah. okay, like 14, yeah. 15 years oh, old. No, no, a little bit older than that, I think. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Giving too much away if I. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Oh, gosh. Yeah, no, the first band names is always a killer, man. I've, I've heard, I heard of many of them. Um, and. It's one of my favourite questions. Cosmic Rose. (laughs) Wonderful. I'll never live it down. (laughs) Wow. And so you played guitar and he played the bass. Yeah, yeah. And you sang as well in the band? I sang, yes. Yeah, but he didn't sing. He didn't sing. No. no. And there was no drums or anything? You yeah, guys, yeah. Oh, you yeah, had drums? Had, in the band. So we oh, did, we did some duo band. work where I played acoustic and we had right. some residencies. And then yes. we put a band together and we got a drummer and guitarist who happened to be best friends. So oh. then we were like this little gang and we yeah. Yeah, played around and mm. we recorded a demo on cassette. Every now, and, every now and then one pops up and it's like, whoa, Where did Cosmic let Rose that never be go? heard. <laughs> it's awful. Far out, man. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I know that I've got those types of cassettes up at my mum and dad's place. Mm. I've never fished them out before, though, because they'd be super embarrassing. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, you've got to start somewhere, you man. You do, absolutely. Especially growing up in the 90s when, you know, silver chairs on, on the radio and you look at them and you're like, oh, my God, they're my age. I must be able to do this. How are they doing this so well? You know, and yeah. you feel like rubbish, but then you realise, you know, there's uh, these things called producers and co-songwriters yeah. and all this stuff. And you're like, okay, they, they must have had a little bit of help, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you say, you've got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere, man. And it's all practice. And, you know, I still write crap songs, so, you know. <laughs> man, my guest just last week, um, old mate was telling me uh, that uh, he had this great analogy uh, that uh, G. Marco, rather. Um, sorry, I, I just I forgot his name for a moment. G was telling me how, you know, you, you'll write like 90% shit. And then yeah. there's that 10% that's just a, a gem and you can, you know, craft yeah, that into exactly. something, you yeah. know, propellable. Not everything yeah. you write is great. And no, I, no. I think hopefully as you get better, the odds get better and you start writing better songs. Yeah, yeah. But you still write crap songs. Like, 100%. Yeah, you'll be like, you'll play it to someone and go, and then you just get a really average response Look, and you're like, cool, now I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you show them one that you're like, oh, this is whatever. And they go, that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. And you go, really? I didn't even really like this one. Like, no, that's that's the track. We, we need to w- work on that song. Yeah. Oh, and it's okay. funny how it's hard to gauge that yourself often. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense, <laughs> Because you it? think you have a pretty good idea. Yeah. Like, when you hear a song, you know it's a good song or a bad song. But when it's your own song, when it's you're your like... Own. I think it's a good song, but I'm not sure. <laughs> that internal filter is so swayed. Yeah. It's really hard to tell. Yeah, yeah And man. that's why I'm never precious about it. And mm. I say to my partner, Lee, I'm like, you know, be honest because I'm not going to be precious about it because I know, like, I, it could be good, it could be bad, and I, I don't care. I'm okay with it either way. <laughs> that's it, yeah. If it's bad, I'll just write another one. Oh, man, I'm, I'm always so trepidatious when I show... Um, my lady, a, a new tune because she's just <laughs> Is she cutthroat. She's oh. like, Day, that's oh yeah, you know. Or she'll be really gorgeous and say that it's good, but I'll t- I'll know in the tone, yeah. you know, in her voice, you know. Yeah. But then when she likes like, it, she'll let me know because, as well. Yeah, if it's patronising, you know. Yeah, yeah, and but, I can be uh, guilty of that as well, man. Like, that's you great. Know. Uh, yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> my mum, my mum used to have a good one, so she would be cooking dinner in the kitchen. I'd always mm. come. And play songs and and she'd be like it's not my favorite <laughs> it's not my favorite it's not my favorite <laughs> that's perfect yeah so she's not saying it's bad it's just not as good as or her, the other ones. she doesn't like it personally as much as some of the other ones it's an album track <laughs> exactly it's, it's a b-side <laughs> it's good enough for the record but, <laughs> but maybe not, don't lead with it <laughs> yeah, not a favorite <laughs> oh good times man and so, yeah, growing up in Melbourne and Sydney, um, having a dad, you know, working in the industry, meeting all these like idols of the mm. industry, um, that must have been just like, at the time, were you able to look at it like, okay, this is special or was it just normal? Like, no, it was, it was special. You, like, could, you knew it was special. Like yeah. you knew your dad had given you this opportunity to meet all these people that were on the telly. Yeah, I think I was old enough to appreciate that it was special, whereas right. my brother and sister were a bit younger. My sister, I don't think, had any idea what was going on. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, for me, like, I I knew it was what I wanted to do. Like, I just yeah. knew I wanted to be a musician. So I didn't realise how hard that would be. <laughs> yes. But, um, yeah, but I, I just knew how much I loved it. And we would – they'd take me to big concerts and I was just blown away. I was like, wow, I want to be on that stage. Like, what, this what was is your so first cool. concert? I don't remember the first one. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Like, it was something like 
um, I'm not sure if it was George Michael, but it was something like, like yeah, something in Sydney at some big arena. And yeah, I remember my folks took us to see, I don't know which one was first, but they were both around the same time. One of them was the B-52s. Oh, amazing. And the other one was MC Hammer. Yes. They did concerts. That's insane. At, like they were popular enough to sell out Rod Laver Arena. Yeah. And that's huge yeah. room, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you think B-52s were able to sell that many tickets. They really love only Shack, had like dude. two I mean, tunes. That, like, love Shack. Love Shack was huge. It was a very big yeah. song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, man. Well, that's that's amazing. Like, I, I can't imagine what that would have been like, yeah, meeting well, all those cats at, at such a young age and being able to appreciate it. Yeah, it, it definitely, like, once I was allowed to stop learning piano and I was got a guitar, and mm. so I got, I think I got my first electric guitar for Christmas when I was 13. So I had I had a little acoustic one and I yeah. started learning, but I got my electric, man. And, yeah. Yeah, and so... I, I used to put on little concerts for my family and do all that thing. My sister would put on, you know, she'd be the, the opening act with a little dance. Perfect. <laughs> and, you know, so it was always a thing that I wanted. Like I was writing songs at 12 or 13 and, again, yeah, they weren't right. the best songs. It was like cruising down the highway, you know, singing my little song. Like it was just lame yeah, stuff. But, yeah, but yeah I, I've been writing songs like for a, as long as I can remember. And Yeah. Yeah, always just wanted to do it and express in that way. mm that's a cool thing, man. I, yeah. I don't think. Um, I mean, I know I, I I definitely wrote songs in high school, but it was I I found that I music came to me first by learning songs. Right. Yeah. I didn't write tunes until way later. Right. You yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the first set of songs that we put together in my first high school band was mainly Pearl Jam. Yeah. And then we threw in like two originals. Yeah. That's all we'd written. And yeah. the rest of it was just, you know, Pearl Jam covers or Nirvana or, you know, yeah. um, I think UMI was another one that we would cover. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's probably because tunes. you were more talented than I was because I, I, <laughs> I learned guitar from a 16 year old girl and it's like I, I kind of just knew a few chords and whatever. Yeah, so sure. I probably just enjoyed making things up rather than playing the crappy songs. Oh, them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love it. Love so that's probably more to the point. <laughs> oh, that's classic, man. I mean, like we said, you never know how music's going to come to you, and um, and the way that like like I intro- I interviewed this cat, um, Red Row. He does sound at Cherry, but mm-hmm. he's also a great muso. Yeah. And I, he, we spoke about how his songwriting and how he's like he's never really performed covers. Like the idea of going and performing someone else's tunes is so alien to him. Yeah. He would rather, you know, go to the dentist yeah. than have to perform someone else's tune in front of people. Yeah. Right? I, I actually felt like that for most of my performing career as well. Right, I, right. I started off doing some solo sort of little pub, you know, covers and do, and original gigs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you kind of have to, if you want to earn some money out of it, then you have to do some covers. Yeah. Covers, but I was always sort of more focused on the originals, and I every second song I'd just do an original. So it right, was always yeah. more the focus than the covers. Yeah. Um, and I have a terrible memory, like even for my own songs. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. Just I think even remembering covers, it's like I can't even remember how the original song goes. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like I don't know. I just make it however I want. However it. <laughs> you want. Yeah, yeah. Far out, man. And so you um you you're in Cosmic Rose yeah and you you're putting on shows at high school playing at like friends parties and stuff like that well we we were playing in a couple of pubs and stuff like um, before you left school uh, I think I just left and my brother was still in school right um 
and the other guys were also just left high school. So yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, in in high school with my songwriting, my singing teacher at the time encouraged me to enter this songwriting competition, and I, I think that was a massive turning point for me because I ended up being a runner-up in this competition. Oh wow! So, yeah, and I got flown to Sydney. And recorded at Albert Studios where ACDC recorded. And Dude. I got my song put on this compilation CD with Kate Sobrano and all these artists. Yeah. And um, and that was huge. Like, again, my song wasn't really that great when I listen now. I'm like, oh, my God, that's embarrassing. But, yeah, that was huge at the time and that gave me a lot of confidence. And yeah. I think that's part of what um, just made me pursue it really full on from there on. Yeah, yeah. Because all of a sudden when you get something like that, you're like, Oh, maybe I can do it. <laughs> yeah, man. Mm. Well, that was like that early confidence boost. Yeah. You know, that you thought, okay, well, people actually kind of believe in me. Yeah, you yeah. You know, maybe this is something that I could pursue. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Amazing. And then in um, year 12, <laughs> I... Um, I decided to go for school captain yes. and everyone does their speech and I don't know why, but I have these ridiculous ideas. So I wrote this song as my school captain's speech and I sang no. this song yes. to the whole school and then I, I won, probably because it was so ridiculous. It was probably a pity vote. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. So you became school captain. Yeah, through doing a ridiculous song. The song, So yeah. kids out there. That's how you can win. That's how you do it. <laughs> That's how you do it. Do something wow. different. Think outside the square. <laughs> Far out, man. I I remember uh, I had um, I in my year twelve year they offered me like because I, I missed out on being drama captain mm. and I missed out on being a prefect. And there was no way I was going anywhere near school captain or vice captain. Well, you, know, no, you should have sung a song because neither would have, I. I wouldn't have. Right? Yeah. <laughs> if only I would known, Nicole. Um, but they offered me like a consolation prize. They offered me the uh, position of like coordinator of the Fringe Festival. Oh, right. And I'm like, what's the... F-? And this is brand new initiative. And so basically they made me organize this whole week where I had like... It was actually really cool looking back. I had kind of carte blanche to create events just around that week. Yeah, cool. So we did like some poetry in the library. One day I just ran around the school with like a, a mask on my head screaming <laughs> and just said, well, it's art, dude. Like, what are you... You know... <laughs> It's, it's on the fringe, man. It's you know? how you interpret it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So in in hindsight, it actually it was actually pretty fun. But yeah, um, I uh, I really admire you for for yeah writing a tune, very inventive. That's cool. I, I I don't even know how I got up and sang that to the school because even I don't think I'd have the guts to do that now. Like yeah, even right. get up to a high school right now and do it, I probably wouldn't do it. No, yeah, <laughs> but you've got so much gumption, right? <laughs> when you're young, you just do anything. Yeah, you don't care. Yeah. When you get older, you're like, oh my god, I'm not, I'm not doing, doing that. that. I'm not doing that. What if I screw up? <laughs> the one time I did write a song for a specific purpose to hopefully get a... a, a, um, a girl. <laughs> a girl, exactly. Get, get a good response from a girl right, yeah. was when I proposed to my wife. Oh. So we were, we were going to um, Crown Casino because we were, you know, before kids and we just, you know, we were kids ourselves. We were in our 20s. Yeah. And um, I brought my guitar with me and this wasn't unheard of. Like I would always bring my guitar wherever I went because, you know. You're a musician. Muso. And I'm just like, so she didn't think anything of that. And so we get to the hotel room and usually we just go straight for the pool, right? And I just said to Danielle, I said, oh, can you just chill out? I've got this song I've been nutting out. I want to get your opinion on it. Can I just play you this song? And she's like... 
no, I want to go to the pool. We're, we're going to go to the pool now. We're going to, you know, run out of time. I'm like, no, nah, babe, seriously, let me just play this song. She's like, fine, hurry up. <laughs> she sat on the edge of the bed. I'm like, geez, tough crowd. And so I played this song to her and then proposed, and then she felt absolutely awful. <laughs> I reckon if she said yes, obviously, but I think maybe she said yes out of feeling so guilty because she made me feel so bad. And did you say, all right, yes, now can we go to the pool? Yeah, yeah exactly. We had a big cry and it was all fine. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, so, and then I actually ended up playing that song um, at our wedding. So, oh, yeah, yeah. It that's... wasn't exactly the same song, like it was pretty cheesy because I put in all these like little the best things. best song in the world. Right, Tribute. exactly. Yeah, yeah, love that tune. But I, I, I really enjoyed the chorus that I wrote for that song, so yeah. I kind of rewrote it and then, yeah, turned it into a tune and, and it, was, it became one of the songs of, of the first band but Aww. there you go yeah so nice. sometimes writing a song for a specific purpose yeah. can get the result you like yes there you go <laughs> so you leave school oh no you don't leave school you now we're in year 12 you're the school captain i'm the school captain baby oh my gosh what school did you go to was uh, it here in melbourne yeah it um, was in melbourne it was berwick secondary college berwick yeah mm. yeah, yeah. That's more of a country area, isn't it? Ber- where's, I don't know where Berwick is. Uh, no, suburbs, but I th- it was cows and things in those days. It okay, was, yeah, yeah, yeah right, Acreages right. and... Yeah. Yeah, nice area. And so having um, been chosen as the school captain for that final year, um, what what was that like? What did you... Did I was you... on committees and... It was yeah, a bit, I... bit of a tough gig. Uh, no, not really. It was, mm. it was fine. Like yeah loop. yeah it, I don't yeah I didn't mind doing that stuff it, it's yeah yeah that's that's like this flip side of my personality so I've got this like creative side but then I've got this other side that's like yeah. likes doing those kinds of things analytical I stuff. guess yeah. I don't know not yeah. I'm not super analytical like I wouldn't say I'm really analytical um I don't know I just I I think I just like dealing with people and things and yeah. So you get people to, person, yeah, and you get to do a bit of that. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, mm. no, in that role, definitely, because you're a leader, and the, yeah. all the kids look up to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's a cool thing. Um, and so, well, yeah, eventually left school. Yeah, I did. Yeah, finished up year twelve. Yeah, yeah. And um, what did you do when you leave school? Did you go and study music, or, or did you get a gig and did music on the weekends? Uh, I I went to art school, so I studied graphic design and illustration. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, I did gigs on the weekend and yeah. yeah stuff like that. I had a few residencies around the place and just as a solo artist. Yeah, solo. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So I think I played three or four nights a week, and that was oh, like wow. my main income. And that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Had some some good residencies for a long time. So yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was good fun. And um, if you're looking back at those days, were there any gigs that kind of come to mind that were like particularly memorable for any reason or was it kind of a haze? Um, a bit of a purple haze, but... Um, <laughs> um, like, for example, I did this cover gig once up in the country and it was literally like the Blues Brothers. We got there, we set up and they were like, so this is where the cage goes? And it was oh like God. at waist height, but it oh was no. like a cage from the Blues Brothers. And we're like, what's this for? They're like, trust me, you're going to need it. And we're like, <laughs> okay. And so we start playing and people were just in our faces like the entire night. Yeah. And we're like, just thank God for this cage. Because they would have bum-rushed the stage otherwise. You know <laughs> well, what I mean? Did you have anyone ever jump on stage with you? Many times. And yeah. my brother and I, when we did the uh, acoustic thing together, so he played electric bass and I played acoustic. And it sounded great, actually. But, mm. you know, that was in Windsor at a, a hotel there. And um, we had a residency there. And we would get these really random people, like 
older women and stuff that would come and get really drunk and then dance and then show you their tits and like just like oh, my yeah. brother would just go red in the face and it, like <laughs> and you're sort of playing trying not to crack up it's yeah, yeah it's just hilarious and oh, embarrassing man. and ridiculous so you're yeah, like you don't yeah. really know where to look <laughs> what are you doing man we're, we're playing the tunes we get it we're you're having a few drinks but remember where you are exactly <laughs> you're in a public place yeah not a topless beach yeah exactly oh gosh now i did do a show about 12 months ago uh i did like a, a stint in a, a like a full like top 40s cover band. Right. Yeah. I hadn't done that in years. Yeah. It was at the Swan Hotel in Richmond. Okay, yeah. And it was a real footy crowd, like really ochre, Australiana, you know. Yeah. And um, uh, we, we the, the gig was from like 11 at night till 2 in the morning. Yeah, okay. So it was just drinking hours, man. Like, yeah. And everyone would come after the footy as well. So it was really, you know, bogany in that. Yeah. And the amount of times the ladies would get that slosh, they would, lift up their oh, tops. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not an unusual thing in no. those kinds of crowds. Venues, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'd never seen anything like that. And, I, and this was only like two years ago. And I s- turned to the guitarist. I'm like, is this is this a regular thing? He's like, dude, you don't, that's nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. I'm not sure how much of this gig I'm going to be telling my lady about when I get home. She's like, where, where are you playing that? It's not gold figures, is it? No, no, it's the swan, babe. It's okay, you know. Oh, God. Oh, gosh, yeah. No, it's, it's never good when... Um, when they get a little bit too tipsy at the covers gigs. Go no, off. no, not at all. Mm. But I mean, this was just off Chapel Street, so you know, kind of like a bit affluent. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, no, because it was Windsor, so it was sort of down the more. Uh, uh, I'm going to say a little bit more of an ochre crowd. On yeah, that. right. Like right. it's probably a bit more trendy now than like because now. Yeah, it, it's changed a little bit. Market, but, yeah. Yeah. Then it was a lot of the people were kind of a little bit more. You know, loose, bit bit loose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're cutting your teeth on the um the the scene as a, a as a young person with your brother doing covers, doing originals. Yeah. Um, but really, kind of only as a duo at that point. You didn't have a full band anymore. Yeah, no, I was just doing um, mainly. So after I left school, I was doing mainly just solo, solo stuff. Yeah, just okay. solo stuff because yeah. you know then I had a car. It was easy for me to just go anywhere and yeah, yeah. Um, I sort of moved to the other side of the city, so I was doing gigs kind of everywhere, like Richmond, um, Cherry Tree Hotel, and even Mount Macedon, and you know, like right. all, kind of all around the place. I had a, a long residency at the Pint on Punt for quite a while. I and remember that place. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's that kind of thing and um but then I after that I got a job in the music industry so my dad after he finished up with the brash group Mm -hmm. he went into wholesale and uh he did that for I can't remember how long he did that for but quite a long time yeah and when I finished my um art course he was deciding to go into real estate so they actually moved to Phillip Island he was doing sort of a sea change and Ah. so he said to me look I reckon you'd be great repping like you should go and you know I'm going to put in a good word for you yes. go and talk to these guys and so I did that I went up to Sydney and yeah. got the job and so yeah I was repping um, for a music wholesale company with GNL guitars and oh, nice. Admira Spanish guitars and things like that so yeah. I did that for um, eight years with them and oh, wow. um, yeah and that was that was really good because I made so many friends within the music industry yeah. um, and it's it's such a passionate industry you know so it's it's even though it's got, um, you know, I, after that I worked for Casio Keyboards. Oh, wow. Um, and that was sort of a big corporation because the the 
company is called Shriro and they have G-Shock watches and like they do all sorts of different oh, brands within within the, the company. So they're actually yeah. quite a large company. But, um, you know, that, that was kind of corporate. But the music industry itself I love because it's, you know, musicians and most of them are pretty casual and cool people. And, yeah, kind nice. of I, I enjoyed my time doing that. Doing so. the repping gig. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what does that actually entail? Like, so like you um, advocate for sp- specific brands to be – to be sold to music stores? Is, am I getting that right? Yeah. So, like, you well, you represent the company and you have your catalogue of products and you go in and you basically show the stores the new products right. that you have or, you know, or you just they just reorder what they need, what they've sold. Ah. Um, you, you do all sorts of things like you organise training and you fix problems if they've got faulty products and, yeah, that it's, kind it's of all thing. that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, nice. And, and I managed Victoria, so I had, like, 100 stores that I used to look after. Even though you're up in Sydney? No, this was – lived in Melbourne. So oh. the company was in Sydney and I, I looked after Victoria. Oh, right, mm. right. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, I, I, um, I used to work at a music store, but as a singing teacher, that was like my first right. kind of throwaway and throwaway. Which, which... I don't know why I'm using all these weird words tonight. I've never used that word in my life. <laughs> um, it's Main Street Music in Greensboro. Oh, yeah. I love those guys. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so I was a singing teacher there for years. Yeah. And, uh, but I... I was never able to get behind the desk. Right. You know, like to actually sell like the stuff. Yeah. Well, I used to sell to those guys. That was Tony and There you Lena go. Yeah, there. To- yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah the Yamunis. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I love the Yamuni boys, Joe and Marcel and yeah, yeah. probably seeing them tonight, so Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. We'll say good day. Amazing friends of ours. So Oh, right yeah, on, man. Yeah, love those guys. Yeah, they um uh, Marcel actually recorded uh, my first single. Oh wow! Yeah, in uh, Captain Vibe Studios. Oh uh, yeah, as he, he is would call like it. such a talented guy. Like it's ridiculous how yeah. talented he yeah, it's is. It's silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, far out, man. <laughs> We're just both here being blown away right now by his. By the Yamunis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now it's it's hard pressed to find a muso in Melbourne that that doesn't have a connection to that family. Yeah. For, you know, whether they got a lesson at their store or, you know, saw them play at a gig or, mm. you know, they, people know that, that family. They're, yeah. they're quite well known in, um, in, in the industry. And oh. they're such beautiful people. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, that's, that's probably also why. That's probably also yeah. why, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you're, um, you're repping. And so during that time, were you also playing music? So, yeah, I... Um I met my ex-husband, Jason, and mm. um, we started our band. Well, we first started working together on some um, songs, just demos and things that I was working on. And then uh, we bought a house and decided to build a studio. Yeah. So we spent seven years building a recording studio. So this was all happening while I was repping and we were right. you know, trying to pay for it as well. And yeah. we built this, this studio and um, I was still writing songs and sort of workshopping them um, with Jay as well and going through that thing of like, how's this one? What do you think of this one? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not my favourite. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, so there was a, a lot of time, a long time of workshopping and then we finally got to the point where we started putting a band together and Jerome Smith was the first one that we kind of reached out to for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so bass player, he was the bass player for the Divinals. Oh, wow. Um, so he's based from New York and he flew out here to tour with them and that's why he lives in Australia now. So yeah. Um, but he's played with some amazing musicians from Jewel to... You know Keith Richards and Mick Jagger and all, oh, these, wow. all these kinds of people, like Real amazing hard and session muso. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like and toured with these guys too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he um, came over one night and had a listen to 
some songs, just sat there in the lounge room and played acoustically and he loved them. So um, decided to join the band and the studio wasn't quite finished. So we sort of kept workshopping with him from there. We'd sort of right. would, um, you know, he'd come over and we'd just have some, you know, Jack and Cokes and, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and play songs and, and yeah. workshop songs. Yeah. Uh, so when the studio was finished, then we got a drummer and we ended up getting Jason's brother, who's an amazing drummer. Mm-hmm and um, put the band together. Like, that was the band complete. And then we started um, pre-production on the songs, recorded pre-production, and that was partly learning the studio as well. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, from there then we did the finals on the album and put it out. So it took about three years for us to do the the Grand Hour album. That's that's a really good turnaround, man. Mm. I remember the first record that I put out took... Damn. probably, Probably around five years. Yeah. Because we, I did a single and then an EP, and then between the EP and the album, it was yeah, it was a good four or five years. Yeah, yeah, to actually get the coin up to be able to afford to do everything yeah. that's involved in creating a whole record. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a massive project. Like it's it's if you're not a musician, I don't think you really understand how much goes into making an album. No. And we wanted it to be a commercial, release. commercial level release. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we. You know, once it was finished, we sent it to Paul Hagar in um, LA to to mix half the album. We yeah. mixed the other half, like Jason actually mixed half of it, mm. and we had it mastered by um, uh, what's his name? Uh, this is really bad that I've forgotten. Um, in Melbourne, Stephen or? Markinson from LA. Oh. So he's done oh. everyone from Foo Fighters to oh, wow. Led Zeppelin. Like you think of anyone, any like mega famous rock band, this guy's mastered, mastered them. them. Yeah. yeah. Insane. And so That's cool. uh, it was huge. Like when, when we got the email back that he was going to do it, we were like, oh my God, this is amazing. Ah, mind yeah. blown. Yeah, yeah. When you got it back, did you hear like the, the crazy difference in, in sound? Like you're like, oh yeah, now we know where the money went. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it sounds, yeah. It sounds huge. I mean, I, I think mixing still makes the biggest difference yeah. but yeah you definitely it just puts that polish 100% and I think that's often the difference yeah man you know it's just yeah, that, so many people don't realise how little 10% or 5% even uh-huh. that just makes that difference so yeah. definitely worth it yeah. and yeah it was um, yeah it was a cool experience I mean um, yeah even just getting to talk to those guys and yeah Kind of listening to their stories and everything. And yeah. So Paul Hager's the guy who did. Um, he's done a fair bit with Goo Goo Dolls and right. Um, Miley Cyrus. He actually is her front of house engineer. Wow. Um, yeah. So we kind of we we contacted a few people, but we did a lot of research and we made sure like we really liked the sound of yes. what they were doing. Yes. Because um, you know, I mean, our our sound we're, we're kind of a a commercial almost. A little bit pop rock kind of yeah, it's pop rock. Band. Yeah, it's, it's not for everyone. Yeah, and that's cool. But um, we kind of liked what he did um, with that sort of LA sound that he had. So mm. yeah, so that's what we went with. And then essentially we we got his back, and then we just tried to match it with our mixing. <laughs> <laughs> so which I think I think Jason did an amazing job. Yeah, like, I don't think you can really you can't tell between the songs. Like you, I I don't think you can anyway. I don't between think you who can, mixed which? Yeah, yeah, I don't think yeah. you could just sit there and go, oh, that was mixed by. Oh, Paul mate. Hagar, yeah, and, and yeah. that was mixed by Jay. Like, you just wouldn't really be able to be tell. Able to pick it, mm. yeah. So I think Jay did a great job. That's awesome, man. Yeah. It's great where you can just go all in on a record. You're like, yeah. I'm not going to be able to do this again for how God knows how long. Let's just put all our eggs in one basket <laughs> and, you know, who cares of the consequences? It's called stupidity. <laughs> no, it's not. It's called creative freedom. It's and called going, commitment. <laughs> it's called commitment, you yeah. know. Like, um, yeah, like same thing with with my first band and my first record like I literally had 
um, the the worst luck. Like band, band members would leave all the time, you know. But I was like, you know, I really believe in these songs. I really yeah. want to just at least finish this chapter of my yeah, life by yeah. by releasing this as a product somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So me and the bass player just you know put all the coin in ourselves, all the gigs that we were doing. Yeah. Um, we got a session drummer in. Yeah. Uh, I just found all the guitarists that I love and I said okay I want you playing on these two songs I want you playing on these two songs yeah, yeah. and and you find a way yeah yeah well we know? paid for it all ourselves and exactly. that was I mean I worked two jobs so I was repping and then I was I was doing um, graphic design work after hours wow. and building the studio so yeah because Jason used to be a builder so he was he would be building I'd be doing like my second job and then I'd go and help him and like pass things and pass a hammer and hold oh, walls yeah. and carry heavy things that I shouldn't have carried and <laughs> breaking my back. Gosh. But yeah, I mean it was it was hard and major commitment. Mm. Um massive massive project, massive yeah. chunk of time and yeah. um you you know we we stopped being invited to family and friend events because we never went because we were always just building or working on the music. We, yeah. we were totally committed to making a Getting great product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I want to hear more about your time in Grand Hour, but before we do, I want to take a moment to tell our listeners about Anytime Fitness in Epping. I uh, joined the Anytime Fitness community recently, and I love it. They give you a key fob, which gives you 24-hour access to not only your home gym, but every Anytime Fitness location around the world, which means if you're planning a holiday and you don't want to ease up on your training, you can still find a gym wherever you are around the globe. And it's perfect for the touring musician or even touring wrestler as well. Uh, If you're on the road and you need to get a pump in before your next match or your next gig, you can always find an Anytime Fitness somewhere to get your training in. I love the whole concept of the 24-hour gym. I'm going to be going tonight after I finish recording the pod. Um, And I think the best part for me, uh, because I don't like training with headphones on, they actually have an app called Crowd DJ, which means you can download it to your smartphone and you can control the music in the gym. Uh, So if you're in the mood to play some of your own favorite tracks and you've forgotten your headphones at home, or maybe you're like me and you don't like training with headphones on, you can still listen to your own curated playlist of music. How good's that? While getting your gym session done. Uh, They also have the Anytime Fitness app, which has got heaps of programs uh, and workouts for you to help you on your fitness journey. Uh, And they have very friendly staff that are always happy to help. And... On the 15th of Feb at the Spotted Mallard, they're starting a promotion for the Art of Touring podcast for everyone who comes down and grabs a ticket and comes to the show. They're offering free sign-up. No sign-up fee, no join-up fee, which pretty much uh, equals about a month and a bit of free training. So head on down to Anytime Fitness in Epping and sign up today. Well, I was actually watching a clip um, of Grand Hour um, this afternoon, the one for All or Nothing, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of got like interspliced um, with some animation in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm sitting there watching it, and there's a moment where uh, one of the anim- animated characters is interacting with a skateboard. Yeah. It's a Tony Hawk. It is. Birdhouse. Yeah, it is. Skateboard. And I'm like, oh, I've got to tell Nicole that I own 
the Tom Green version I saw of that it on skateboard. Your wall. Did you see it? <laughs> of course yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, I reckon uh, this this week for the promo of the podcast, we'll have to take the photo with that the skateboard. Amazing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Right on, man. I've, so I've, why why yeah? Can you tell me why that was put in? Was there a reason well, that was I, put in? I collect in? skateboards. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, so you skate? Yeah. yeah. Oh more, wow. More a longboarder, really now. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I co- collect them. I think. Just for the artwork mm-hmm. and the nostalgia for the '80s ones, so I collect. You know, I've got yeah. a, I've got a heap of vintage ones. So I've got I've got that sort of trash Tony Hawk, um, but I've also got a mint hot pink one. That's um, it's framed and everything. That one. That's but, cool. Yeah, I've got some some amazing boards. So yeah, um, like a hundred <laughs> decks. You have a hundred skateboards. <laughs> yeah, it's a oh little ridiculous. Gosh. I need to sell some, so I might put some up on. You know, on the book face, market face, market market face, market face. (laughs) You'll have to do it, Nicole. Yeah, I mean that's that's some new, you know, new school ones as well. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I went, I went a little crazy for a while. Dude, look I, I behind think, you, man. I look yeah, behind me. I, I know. In front that's of why you. I walked in here. I'm like, you're all so crazy. Oh, I like it. There's so many figures, yeah, man. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, I haven't bought any for a long time. I just sure because I'm I'm trying to learn to become a minimalist because Lee's so a minimalist hard. and I'm just like oh, I have to learn this this skill, this Jedi Force. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> How do I need every single cane figure? Do I need every single Undertaker? No, I don't. <laughs> Yeah. But I want these ones, please. It's hard to let them go. It like, is. Yeah. It really is hard, yeah, man. Yeah, and yeah. especially when you've you've worked so hard to build up a collection. It's like, oh my yeah, god. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I had a um, a Santa Cruz Jeff Kendall the s- snake and um, mouse one, whatever it is, and this deck is actually in a book by Sean Cliver, Cliver, however you say his surname. Yeah. Uh, disposable, the art of skateboarding. Yeah, I've got that. So it's the actual deck that's in the book, right? What the actual one? It's, it's the actual one. It's got the same wood grain because it's a wood grain deck, and it had the same exact wood grain. How did you source this deck? I I actually got it. I swapped it for a grosso at some point, a vintage grosso with someone yeah. on Phillip Island, actually. And um, oh my god! And then I, I got the book years later. I'm like, hang on, this is actually like. Every bit of wood grain is the same, it's and it's same. it's not a painted on wood grain. Like that's the wood. I'm like mm. this. This is actually the deck. Yeah. Um. But I sold that deck, and oh, to man. me, it was. I cried. I actually <laughs> physically cried. But I used it as an exercise in detachment and letting go. Right. And it yeah. really, really hurt me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and then the guy I sold it to was like, I promise you, I'll never sell it. And if I do, you'll be the first. And then I saw him recently. He's like, oh, I just have to let you know, I, I sold that deck to someone oh, overseas. That's... I'm like, what? Did you sell it knowing it that it was in the book or before yes, you saw it? No, the f- I knew. Oh, you yeah. knew it was in the Actually, book. Actually, if you, if you scroll through my Instagram, it's probably too far back on Facebook, but Instagram's easy to find things. But yeah, there's a picture yeah. of it, like with the book and stuff. Oh, know? that's cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I had it. And that's, you got, sometimes in life, like you don't, I believe you don't really, you don't ever own anything. So you've got to just let things come into your life and then you have your time with it and yes. then you let it go. That that is something that I really need to um to to capture because it's difficult to kind of commit to that idea. But I mean, yeah, I mean, anyone who's been on the art of touring, they know. Yeah, I've I've got a problem when it comes to collecting. <laughs> Man, I love skateboards and skateboard art so much yeah, that when great. I I released my record, I um actually got 
Are you showing me? Yeah. Oh, what are you pulling out here? Oh. So I actually got... That's um, raunchy. The front cover of the <laughs> album um, as a skate deck. Oh, sick. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, yeah, this is the, the, the Rudy Nudie version. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you pick up... The record's just there. Um, oh. So the, on the, the CD release, it, 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 was, it was, you know, with the bikini on. But if you're a hardcore fan, you, you, if, if you bought the vinyl or the, the skateboard, it was the, um, the Nudie Rudy. I, I love this artwork. Oh, Who thank did you. this artwork? This is amazing. Uh, so actually, an artist called Chris Wall, and he, he, he allowed me to use the back of the um, artwork from the album for the podcast as well. So um, I give him a shout out every week on the pod. It's so cool. If you haven't seen Chris Wall's art, just yeah, go to Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L on Instagram and check out his stuff. He, he does amazing, amazing stuff. He's worked for Lucasfilm and the MCU. Yeah, right. um, and yeah, yeah, many, many great things. But when I approached him, because he'd already finished the artwork. Mm-hmm. And I approached him, I said, hey, Chris. Can you make her naked? <laughs> Is that what you said? Basically, I said, Chris, I had this crazy idea, man. I said, for the vinyl, I want to do like a special edition where um, the the front cover, the, the ladies, you know, she's, she's not wearing a top, you know. I'd be happy to pay you extra because I know you'd have to redraw it and everything and do a new proof and, you know, and go through the process. And I just get this email back. He's like, Dave, I'd be happy to do it. I don't need a financial incentive to draw boobs. <laughs> no, no, exactly. <laughs> so, Chris, mate, I, I don't think I've ever told that story on the pod. So, I thank you so much, Chris, for being such a, a rad dude when it came to um, my artistic integrity. Oh, that's a great story. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. But you've got her taped up over there. Yeah, so, so I use that. So, we can't that. see the boobs. No, no. So, I, I use that sometimes for social media so that I don't have to worry about, oh, you know, right, um, right. having to. But you know what? Sometimes I do post it and then I just find a GIF now that's got like the censored right, GIF and just yeah. put that on there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd hate for, um, for his artwork to be taken down because it's so rad. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. So good. Um, oh, wow. And so, uh, Ground Hour, you released the record. Did you guys do um, some – obviously, you did a lot of shows to support the record. Did you do any tours around Australia or was it more just Melbourne-based yeah, gigs? Yeah, we, we mainly did Melbourne and yeah. that was just – it was just hard logistically because everyone was working full-time and, you know, it's yeah. um, Mark particularly, you know, running his own business and, and it's any artist – can tell you as you would know it's just hard to mm. get a return on investment being a musician yeah. and and that's the truth not that you don't do it for money but when you put so much into it like we had yeah. built our own recording studio that was worth three quarters of a million dollars yeah and we had even though we recorded our album in there so we did everything ourselves so take away the cost of what the studio cost us we recorded it all ourselves sure um for us to just have half the album mixed in LA and mastered, it cost us 20 grand. Yeah. And we mixed the other half. So, Man. you know, and that's us recording it all ourselves. Yeah. And so you've got to really, as an independent, sell quite a lot of CDs or, you know, and people don't even buy them anymore. No. Or merch. And so yeah. it's, it's very hard to get your money back. And then you do gigs and... It's just, it's hard to get enough people out to even cover the cost of a gig. You know, we would yeah. do a headline gig and we would need to get 
minimum 130 people through the door just to not lose money. Yeah. Because by the time you pay for your sound and lighting and we always paid the supports, we didn't sort of do a door thing. We were just like, no, we'd pay you. So even if we didn't make money, we still would pay them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you've got some advertising and posters and mm-hmm. whatever else and mm-hmm. it's expensive. Yeah, man. And so people are like, why don't you play more? Or, you know, oh, you should, you know, and you're just like, you, you don't really get it. Don't like, get it. And people yeah. say, oh, I want to come and see you. But then it comes to the crunch and they don't. They it's, don't come. It's a rainy night or oh, something. But guess and, what? Tuesday night, Robbie Will- Williams is playing. Doesn't matter if they have to get up for the next day for work. <laughs> they'll still go see Robbie. Oh, but my night's on a Friday night and they can't get up their ass. Yeah. Come yeah. on, man. It, it's hard. I mean, Lee and I try and, you know, get out and see local, yeah. local bands as much as we can. And, you yeah. know, she's into the metal scene, but... Um, you know, always supporting the the local artists and stuff because it is hard, you know, mm. it's, and so much work goes into it. And then you've got the rehearsing and all of that as well. And mm. um, I think that's probably why you see at a lot of gigs, you see a lot of other musos there because they understand what's yeah, involved and, exactly. and they tend to be the ones who appreciate it all and appreciate the music because I think it, there's a camaraderie in being a musician and, and the whole sort of network is but like mm. Melbourne's great for it it's like a, a family really and yeah. I feel like people really do support each other and it shouldn't there should be nothing about it that's a competition yeah. like there's room for everybody yeah yeah in, in any creative field I believe there's room for everyone mm. you know it's a really really great point that you raise um, especially because like you said in Melbourne there's we're so lucky. Mm. There's so many of us in Melbourne, yeah. you know, that have this same um, combined passion yeah. for music yeah. um, and, and creating. So, And we've um, got some great venues. Like we're, yeah. we're lucky for that as well because mm. not every state has that. So Melbourne is, is really a great hub of creativity. And, and people move down here for yeah. the scene. Like, yeah, absolutely. I've spoken to people, um, you know, on the show and, and, and they'll go, yeah, you know, I moved to Melbourne mm. so I could be part of this scene. Yeah. And because I've always lived here, I kind of take it for granted. Yeah, yeah. I can just travel 45 minutes to a pub and, you know, play to the other bands and their girlfriends. But still, like, it's an opportunity and I get to play in a live venue. Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. Whereas people who live in other states, that's that's not always the case, Yeah, you know. yeah. No, so there's two cool sides because it does yeah. it does burn you out a little bit when mm. you kind of put so much in. Yeah. And, and I think I got to that point at the end of, like when we started recording the second album, I was a bit burnt out because I was like, it's so much work. Yeah. And like you just... Little reward. You just don't get like much back, yeah. really. And yeah. I'm not just talking about financially, like... Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, part of the issue with musicians is that we're all so passionate about it and we love it so much that we'll do it for nothing. So we kind of ruin our own <laughs> I know. industry by yeah. all doing it for nothing because 100%. we will. Yeah. Um, so everyone takes advantage of us <laughs> true, because man. we're like, you know what, I'll, I'll do it <laughs> because mm-hmm. it'll be great practice or great exposure or whatever it no. is. But You really yeah. have to have that special like, you know um, – trigger in the brain to, to go you know what no I'm not getting out of my house for less than $350 or yeah. whatever like yeah. if you're doing covers or yeah. originals or whatever um, and that's something that I've, I've learnt the hard way Yeah, doing yeah. gigs for hardly anything Yeah, um, but just because like oh I just love it so much yeah you know it, exactly it's the same with wrestling I've interviewed a bunch of wrestlers on the show yeah. and you'd be surprised they, those guys and girls put their body on the line for hardly anything. Really? Because they love it yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah. You know, like um, I, I did a wrestling training session about six months ago yeah. because I'm such a fan of that art form and I just wanted to know what it felt like to take a bump. <laughs> 
in the middle of a wrestling ring, you know? Yeah. And it hurts. That's brave. Yeah, it really hurts. But you couldn't wipe the smile from my face <laughs> for three hours. I was going and doing these moves with these professional wrestlers and, yeah. other, and other trainees, you know? And every time I felt like I stuffed up the bump, I'd bounce myself right back up and be like, Jace, can I do that again? <laughs> and Jace would be like, yeah, of course. You know, I think it's the people that go and do the training and then just take a shitty bump and then just go to the back of the line. Yeah. Um, they go, okay, well, their heart isn't in it. Yeah. Whereas I was like, no, actually, I don't know when I'm going to get the chance to do this again. Yeah. I know I'm going to be sore for two weeks. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's the same with music. You're you like know? Keanu Reeves in The Matrix, like more. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> bring, bring it, it on. Oh, gosh. But, yeah, I, I think even, you know, when it comes to recorded music, it's the same thing. And it's it's great that we're in an era where we can put music out independently yeah. and, and have our own control and we can put it online and reach people, but it's also hard to cut through the noise. And there's also the downside that people these days expect it for nothing, you know, because they just stream it or whatever. Yeah. And Spotify, if you don't want to pay, you can be on the free one if you put up with ads. And Exactly. And yeah. that, that's hard because it's like, it's not free to produce. It's, you know, yeah, no. it's free to write a song. You know, it's if you take away the years of practice and experience and mm. your gear, mm. but that's just your time. But it's not free to make an album. You've got to pay for studio time. You've got yeah. to pay producers. You've got to pay musicians if you need them. Or yeah. um, you've got to pay to have it mixed and mastered. And then you've got the artwork and you all know, that stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like the, the tunes have become an advertisement for your live show. Yeah, you know. But so then even if you're live able shows to are hard. get people there, <laughs> yeah. they, you need to be able to get the people to hear the song and go, "Oh, I really like them. When yeah. are they going to be in my town? Oh, okay, they're there now. Yeah. I'll go and see them." Yeah, but you then know? again, so you need at least like 150 people to come yeah. to your show. Yeah. Which like the, a few years ago, I um, had this idea of doing a film clip at Bakehouse Studios in, yeah. on Punt Road, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. the scrap museum upstairs. Yeah. It's an amazing space. Yeah. And I'm like, someone's probably already done that. I'll just throw it into YouTube, Bakehouse video clip. And sure enough, there was this amazing artist called Challa. She's like this pop um, synth um, artist. And I'd never heard of her. And, but sure enough, you know, she's doing this cool film clip in the middle of the scrap museum. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm looking down, you know, YouTube has the suggested after you've watched one clip or maybe you like this. I just kept clicking on all of her clips. Now, I at the time I was like 30... Six thirty-seven years old. I don't listen to new music. Mm. I'm stuck in my ways. I like Audio <laughs> Slave, Nine Inch Nails, Pearl Jam, Powderfinger, Foo Fighters. You know, Jimi Hendrix, Rodriguez, yeah. Yeah. Led Zeppelin. Yeah. I know what I like. Yeah. I don't like pop. You yeah. know, generally, you know. And so, I was completely like besotted by this artist, and it came to me in such a bizarre way. Yeah, through YouTube. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like how. Do you cut through all the shit yeah. and get seen by all these different people? Yeah. Now, after a bit of research, I realised she's actually Triple J, you know, right, like pushed yeah. artist, and yeah. she has all this, you know, and clout even in the industry. Music but still, videos are not free brilliant. to produce for oh, most dude, people. You know, so expensive. So, yeah, exactly. And then, so that that's where it's hard because yeah, yeah. musicians do it because we love it and we're passionate about it, yeah. and we kind of shrivel, shrivel up and die inside if we're not doing it. Sure, yeah. after a certain period of time, I think it's mm. like this cycle. It's like I'm sick of it now, and then you're like, oh my god, I miss it, and I'm just going to die if I don't do it. Yeah. So yeah, it's like this wave that you ride continually yeah. as a musician. <laughs> you kind of forget about wave. all the bad things, and then yeah. you're like, all right, I'm ready to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to be broken once more. So you were mentioning um, uh, before we started that um, we, we, you've basically 
exactly kind of wrapped up with Grand Hour? Is, is that a fair assessment? Uh, you doing yeah, a new so, thing? so I, I split with Jason, my ex-husband. Mm-hmm. So I actually um, I actually came out as gay So and, and left. And as part of that, unfortunately, I had to walk away from the band as well because he was the producer and lead guitarist and okay. backing vocalist. So so that was um, a very hard time for me because it was walking away from everything I had worked wow. for for like 15 years or something. So yeah, yeah. Um, really, really hard. And the, the other band members didn't want it to be over, but mm. Jay understandably was like, like we're still friends and everything, like it's that's cool. But yeah. he was just like, I don't think that I can at this point continue the band and that that's fine yeah yeah um it's essentially like a marriage itself yeah it, it is it actual is marriage yeah. but also like it's a it is a family it's a like family, it, it's man. a marriage yeah you yeah. know anyone in a band knows that yeah like, man. yeah and um and we were a close-knit band like we would rehearse and be together like three or four nights a week wow recording, that's a lot recording or rehearsing yeah. yeah um so yeah we we had started the second album yeah. and i've actually like I'd done vocals and things like that, mm. um, but it's not finished. So yeah. I, it might, part of it or all of it might get finished at some point. We've got a few songs that were like super close. So mm. that's kind of then up to the guys if they want to want to do that. Sure, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that we would ever probably tour again or like, you know, I'm not sure if we would play as a band again. Holds, yeah. yeah, I don't know because I don't want to speak for anyone else either. Yeah, right, so, right. Because it, it's... You know, because it is like a marriage breaking up, it's a tender subject. So yeah, yeah. It, it's hard and um yeah. Wow. I mean I I um I started this show at the start of twenty eighteen, the podcast, and yep. at the time I was in a band for three years. It was a band called Smokestack Rhino. I know them. It was a blues band. I know you. <laughs> you know the band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right on, man. <laughs> and at the end of twenty eighteen the lads and I split. Yeah. And um but I still had this podcast thankfully to put all my creative outlet into yeah um but it it was a real like a, it cut deep yeah you know when yeah. when i was kicked out of that band because it was something that i'd invested like four years of my life yeah and i just i was i'd become a new dad like my kids were only 12 months old when i joined that band mm-hmm. and um i was touring like every school holidays and yeah. doing regional shows and um interstate shows and um, and when I, I, I said to my wife when I joined the band, I was like, you know, oh, this is going to be one of those bands where I can just show up and be the singer and songwriter. I don't have to worry about promo or anything like that. There's already a guy in the band that's like the leader and I can just kind of swan in and, you know, do my thing. Not so much. And not so much, <laughs> yeah. no, because I got invested and I that's wanted it. it to be successful. Of course, and yeah. I wanted the, it to be authentic, obviously. Yeah. So, But, yeah, it came to an end, man. And, and like, yeah, as, as you can... Um, uh, you can you can uh, attest it it when a band ends, however it does, it's always yeah. really really hard. Yeah, and, and yeah. the the guys Mark and Jerome put heaps into it. Like they they were just as invested. So mm, mm. so that that's hard. And I think they would love to probably see the stuff we were working on at least released. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I don't know if like I said, I don't know if there would be a, a reunion show or anything. I can't mm. speak for anyone. So yeah, um, yeah. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds? Who knows? Yeah, that's it. And so um, you're doing something new. Yeah, so because I guess of all of that, then um, I am now just doing a solo project. Yeah, right on. So, yeah. Yeah. How's that coming along? It will just be under Nicole Nighthawk and 
it's good. I'm working with um, Voya. I'm not sure if you know the um, yeah, Bad, Voya's Bad, been on the show. Bad Moonborn, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm working with him. He's producing some tracks for me. Um, so that's exciting because it's like he's so talented. That guy, great like, guitar player. Oh, he's just yeah, stupidly talented. Yeah. Um, so and and a really good friend too. Like he's just a cool guy to hang out with. So mm. um, so I've really enjoyed working with him. But he's moved back to Sydney for the moment, so it's kind of gone a little bit on hold. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I'm still writing as well, and I'm I'm kind of working out what I want to do because the stuff I've done with him is probably a little more. It's almost, oh God, a little bit mixed, um, but a bit of softcore influence in there even. Okay. Um, a bit of pop, a bit of rock. Like, I don't know. It's, it's yeah, it's a bit different. Um, so I'd say there's a bit of a metal influence that's crept in from my girlfriend, um, fiance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were saying before, congratulations, man. It's brand new news. Um, yeah, and and so, yeah, and I think also Voya's influence as well. Yeah, yeah. Just um, on the musical side for the production. Um, I've got a lot of people that would like to hear me do some acoustic stuff, so go back to my acoustic roots. So there'll probably cool. be some stuff that's acoustic if, if I can keep it exciting enough. Because I always feel, like when I'm playing heaps of acoustic songs, I feel like it's boring for people to listen to. And, right, And yeah. I feel like I get a bit bored. Bored so, as well, yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know if that's true or valid, but that's how I feel. So mm. if there's acoustic songs, it might be mixed in with other stuff so it's not boring. Nice one, man. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. And, and this time I just really want to enjoy the process and enjoy music without the pressure of it having to be something or, you know, be successful or... Yeah, yeah. Because I think so often you have such high expectations. And I know yeah. we did with Grand Hour. Like yeah. we we put so much into it and we had meetings with JB Hi-Fi and like all this stuff going on. And mm. and then, you know, we'd go to the meeting and, and we had contacts in there and um, they'd already decided before we walked through the door that it wasn't going to go in because they were like, rock doesn't sell, you know. And it's like, it, it's just hard when you're faced with mm. all that stuff and you're independent. So you can't get on commercial radio, um, you can't if you're a, a, an Aussie rock band like you can't get to Triple J because then it's it's too mainstream rock for them and yeah so it's hard you know yeah it that is something that I, I really strug, have struggled with um, as an independent muso as well it's like you put out these tunes and there's so many people putting out these great records yeah. and singles and EPs and yeah. whatever but they don't have a place. Yeah, in, exactly. In the industry. Yeah, because the big commercial radio stations get paid by the major labels to play their new stuff or they just play the old, successful, like, oh, <laughs> super old songs. How many times we did hear oh. Summer of 69? Yeah, like, yeah. Come on, man. Exactly. And then the stations like Triple J, who are great at supporting new Australian music, but they're not great at supporting rock and things like that because yeah, rock's or, not popular. <laughs> or or, or they'll, they'll support it and act like confidence man, which is just nonsense. mm like, did you see that that gimmick? No. It was basically just this woman dancing and another guy dancing <laughs> and, like, not even kind of singing. It was, like, at some big day out or something. They, they, yeah. And they just pushed them and they put them on the stage. Yeah. like, what, what is this? Yeah, yeah. You know, but, yeah, man. Um, but, but, yeah, there, there is kind of a lack of something. And, and maybe it is just that rock's not popular. I don't know. But, yeah. but there is an underground movement of people that love rock and, oh, and go to see, you know, you hang out at Fifi's Bar or Globe Alley or Cherry Bar or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and, you yeah. know, all these people love rock and roll and they live and breathe it and they're 100%. all in bands and you know yeah, they're all playing yeah, all the yeah. time and supporting each other and mm. so th- there's definitely people out there that that love it that are older and younger yeah um and there's a new wave coming through as well that love it but there's not really anywhere to get it heard 
mm. on a commercial scale. And especially because our our country is population is so tiny. Yeah. So they're like, well, we might as well just appease the masses and not worry about the niche markets. I think there's also that. No, no coin in that. Yeah, I think there's also that sort of, I guess it's tall poppy syndrome where unless you've been overseas and come back to Australia, it's like, oh, they're just Australian, like whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. They can't be really that good because they're just one of ours. I don't know. It's, yeah, right. <laughs> I am. Um, at the beginning of the podcast, I like to play a little snippet of audio um, of the guest um, prior to the interview so the listeners have some context as to um, who they've been listening to, you know, right, in, in their right, headphones sure. or you know, in their cars. Is there a track off that um, Grand Hour record that um, you would um, prefer me to, to take a little snippet of and play? Well, I mean, whatever you like, I guess, but All In or Nothing was the song that we won Australian Independent Rock Artist of the Year with in 2016. So that probably makes sense that that would cool. be the song. All right. Um, and that's the one with the animation with the that you were talking about in the deck, yes. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll have heard a little bit of that then yeah. um, prior to this podcast. Um, and so the N- Nicole Nighthawk um, single uh, solo project. Mm. Um, are there any socials for that yet? Can we go and click follow and like I and mean, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah look, the, there's a page set up yep. on um, on Facebook and my Instagram is sort of just my personal one at Okay, the moment. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, there will be music stuff on there when I've done something. Cool. <laughs> so fo- like, watch that space. Watch that space, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do have a couple of gigs coming up. Do you want me to mention them now? Please, or? yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah, I decided to get back out there and just push myself because I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't played for so long. And yeah. So I probably shouldn't be mentioning them because I might be really, really crap. No, so. no, it's good, man. You know, you, you, gotta, you have to get out there again to be able to yeah. know how to improve. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So, yeah, don't worry about so that. So, I'll, I'll probably be nervous. So, come come along and, like, cheer me on. Just yeah. be like, you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I'm playing uh, Wednesday the 11th of March at the Post Hotel in St Kilda. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of an early one, but they do, like, a dinner service thing. So, it might be quiet, which is good because I can just, like, just pretend I'm not really even there if I'm, you know. Sure, yeah. Um, so, that, that'll be fun. And um, then I'm playing at Fifi's Bar in Collingwood uh, on the 14th, so the Saturday, that same week. Nice one. Um, and that's about 7 o'clock supporting the Fleetwood Mac cover band. So, um, oh, I'm not right. Sh- I've lost the thing of their name, but um, I'm sorry about that, guys. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, anyway, so the 14th at Fifi's Bar. Nice one. Okay, so if you want to get along and support Nicole Nighthawk at those shows, um, you'd be good at it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just, just come and drink lots and cheer me on. Yeah, right on. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and, and, you know, if you want to get up and sing a song, I'm up for that too. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, um, so the one at the post, I, I, I wanted to get some of my friends and I've, I've asked them, so I'm not sure exactly who's playing yet, but I'd love for some of my friends to get up and play a few songs, like whatever they oh, want. Oh, wow. And just make it a bit of a, like, let's just. This is a party. Let's celebrate music and all just play some songs. Because I've got, I've got a lot of, obviously a lot of musician friends, but yeah. also a lot of friends who are working on their own solo projects coming up. And mm. and a lot of musicians, like we're kind of sensitive. We're not necessarily confident about our own abilities. And so yeah. I think for us all to just go along and support each other and just like just have a good time and let's just play some songs and yeah, have man. a party and like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's admirable, man. 100%. I remember doing a show um, down at the, the Plenty Valley um, 
shopping center. It was like a little cafe, Degani's or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I was just doing covers. And at the time, I had a lot of students, um, and uh, I would just play down there like on a Saturday night. They'd bring their folks along, and at school during the week, I'd be like, okay, what songs do you want to play on Saturday night at Degani's? They're like, oh, let's do Californication by the Chili Peppers. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's learn it, you know, yeah, and I'd yeah, get yeah. them up and play with me. Yeah. Um, so anytime you're able to kind of have an interaction with friends or, or um, students or peers or whatever on stage, it's always just makes it just a lot more fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because that's what music is meant to be, man. 100%. Yeah. yeah you've got to enjoy it. And 100%. I think that's the thing and that, that was the biggest thing for me. Like I kind of stopped enjoying it yeah. at a point. It just didn't – it wasn't fun anymore. It was just too much – pressure and it all had to be too perfect and mm. which you know I get I get that as well um but at the same time it's got to it's got to still have that that fun element because yeah. that's why you're there like yeah I think that's a cool and note to end on man for sure thank you so much for coming in Nicole and and having a chat it's thank been great to get so to know you so much for having me David yeah. it's been a lot of fun you're very welcome and um yeah get along to those shows uh in March it was March the 11th yep. And March the 14th, mm-hmm. the first one was at The Post. In St Kilda. In St Kilda and yep. the second at Fifi's Bar. Yeah. In the city. In the city. <laughs> hey. All right. Well, we'll see you at a gig very soon and we can't wait to see you on stage and uh, can't wait to see what's happening with your solo stuff down the road as well. Thank you so much. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Ciao. And that is a wrap, Sizzlers, on episode 94. All done. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, give the old podcast a share on social media. Remember to use that hashtag, Art of Touring Podcast, on Instagram and give us a follow at Art of Touring Podcast and give us a like on Facebook, Art of Touring Podcast. If you are a first-time listener to the show, I hope you come on back each and every week up until episode 100, that is, and then come on back periodically whenever I release a, re- uh, a record, whenever I release a podcast. I have a new guest whenever I do so you are more than welcome to join the Art of Touring family by becoming a regular listener a sizzler hey uh, if you'd like to get in contact with me please email me directly at my very public email address thanks Cole Cabana I took that one off you at artoftouringpodcast at gmail.com maybe you'd like to come on the show or maybe you know someone who would be a perfect fit for the Art of Touring drop me a message and I will reach out to them Uh, you can listen to Art of Touring on Wooshka you can download it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, and if you have enjoyed this episode, it'd be awesome if you could figure out a way to leave a rating within the podcast app on your phone. Um, and then write a short review. What a great podcast. Great chat with that week's guest. Can't wait for next week. Rock on, Sis Dog. You're a ledge. That's something like that, you know, would be awesome. Thank you. Now let's get into some plugs. Next week, Sizzlers, Saturday, Feb 15th at the Spotted Mallard in Brunswick. The Art of Touring podcast is turning 100 and we are celebrating with a live event. Joining me on the night will be previous guests from the show, including live sets from those previous guests. We've got the Millionaires Club. Those guys do wrestling theme songs. They're hilarious. Love them to bits. You have to come and check them out. We've got Delsinki. 
Delsinki, one of the very early, early episodes of The Art of Turing, episode three, I believe. Delsinki will be there live and in person, person doing his thing. Warbirds will be there. Power Rock Trio, the Warbirds, will be in attendance. Also, Swedish Pop Factory, three-piece hip-hop legends, Swedish Pop Factory, will be at the show on Feb 15th. And let's not forget the debut performance by the Hollywood hitters performing songs from your favorite fake bands in movies. We had our first rehearsal on Wednesday night. We've got another rehearsal coming up this Wednesday night. Thanks, Studio 1B. Davo, we love you. And uh, we're going to do stuff from Spinal Tape. Spinal Tape. <laughs> Spinal Tap. We're doing stuff from uh, the movie Still Crazy. We're going to be doing a song from... What else? I don't want to give it away. But we're doing some really great stuff. So get on down this Saturday at the Spotted Mallard, Feb 15th. And let's not forget, Anytime Fitness will be there giving out vouchers. Everyone who's in attendance will get a voucher for free sign-ups. No join-up fee if you join Anytime Fitness in Epping. And also, Lobos Collectibles in Thornbury are giving 15% off vouchers to every single person who comes to the gig. But the... The icing on the cake, Art of Touring listeners, is the collectible pin, one of 42, Art of Touring podcast with Sizdog, live 100th episode, collectible enamel pin, signed, numbered, they look amazing, I really hope they, I mean, I've got the prototype in my hands right now, you can feel, feel the, yeah, you can, you can hear that vibe, I've got the prototype right here of the card back, and the, and the pin, the enamel pins will be, will be landing in my hot little hands next week, and I cannot wait for everyone to grab them, so grab your pre-sale tickets to secure one of 42 of the Art of Touring podcast collectible enamel pins. I will see you at the gig, everybody. Oh, yeah! That's all from me this week. Before I go, I do have a few shout-outs. Shout-out to Chris Wall. We mentioned him on the podcast this week. He did design the artwork for this show, and he designed the artwork for my debut album by The Pass Outs. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram. Please give him a follow. It's an easy follow. That That is a no-brainer follow on Instagram. Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L. At Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L. Thank you, Chris. You are a legend. Big thanks to my guest this week, Nicole Nighthawk. Uh, Be sure to follow her on all her social profiles to stay apprised, appraised, apprised, appeased, appraised, whatever it is, for all her upcoming solo releases. With Voya, another alumni of the Art of Touring podcast. That's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening. See you at the gig next week and tune in next time for another episode of the Art of Touring with a sizz and diggity dog. Ow, ow, ow. Remember our sponsors for the Art of Touring podcast is Lobos Collectibles in Thornbury, the best vintage toy store in the universe, and Anytime Fitness in Epping, where as the name suggests, you can train anytime, day or night.